So over the, uh, over the last week, um, I have literally been held captive by uh, five different passages of Scripture that all speak on the power of the voice, and that's the, both the voice of God and the voice of regular men and women like us. So I'm going to take you through these, these Scriptures because I want you to really grab something around what happens with at the sound and the power of our voice. Here's the first one. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, I think if anyone's read the Bible, you know exactly where I'm going. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Verse 3, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. I've often wondered whether that verse 3 totally lines up with the Big Bang Theory. Could you imagine the absolute stillness of the cosmos that is literally being hovered over by the very Holy Spirit of God and then into that stillness, let there be. Could the Big Bang Theory be biblically correct? I don't know. I actually don't know. But it sounds good. But at the voice, at the sound of God's voice, it created, it activated, sorry, it activated creation. At the sound of his voice, it activated creation. Here's the second one. We are in the book of Isaiah now, chapter 6. And that verse 1 starts, in the year King Uzziah died. Now you'll know where I'm going. But verse, chapter 6, verse 8 says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. So we've got two voices here. We've got God, God's voice and we've got Isaiah's voice. In this, it, Isaiah was caught up in a vision of the throne room of heaven. I've, I've prayed for one of these. I have prayed for a vision of the throne room of heaven. I reckon it would, I'd, well, it would probably blow my mind. But Isaiah's in this vision. He's in the throne room of heaven and he overhears God. I want you to think about this. He's kind of just hanging out in the wings and he, he's not eavesdropping. He's obviously there on purpose because suddenly he's in the throne room of heaven. So this is by no mistake. I reckon this is by God's design. But it's almost, like, it's almost like God's just having this conversation amongst himself, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Isaiah's like, that, well, that, that, would, that would be me. Either that or I'd be on my face on the floor. But Isaiah hears the voice of the Lord, and before he knows it, he responds to God's conversation which he's just observing. He's actually not been included in this conversation. But before he could stop himself, he responds. I want you to just... This, this little bit, is, what I'm about to say is not in my notes, but I just absolutely got this burning in me right now. When you are in the presence of God, and God asks a question, just answer it. <laughs> just answer it. Don't resist it. Don't try and second guess it. Don't put your brain through all sorts of grammatical gymnastics. It's a simple question. Who will go? Isaiah said, me. Someone needed to hear that this morning. 
You've been wrestling. I really sense in my spirit, you've been wrestling. And you've been doing this and that and looking in this keyhole out through that window, looking under files to find an excuse to say no to God. If that's you, I'd love to pray with you at the end of this message. I've always wondered what the voice of God sounds like. Is it deep? Is it booming? Is it gentle or is it quiet or is it both? Is it all of the above? You know, we actually won't be certain what the actual pure voice of God sounds like until we stand before him. But I want to tell you this. The voice of the Lord is identifiable. The voice of the Lord is identifiable. What's also interesting is that God isn't speaking to Isaiah. God's questioning himself between himself and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Interesting, he goes, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Interesting, eh? Interesting conversation to have. Now, God, who is all-powerful, so he could do it all. He could, he could just sovereignly go, and it would happen. But he asks, it's like he's saying, you know what? I, I kind of need someone to send. Who will go? I wonder who will go. Isaiah's like, you know, that, that, that little that, 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 that kid on the side who just wants to play the sports, and they're picking the teams like, In this we learn that God invites his people to partner with him in his purposes. Just that is just mind-blowing. The creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who himself said, let there be, then goes, will you go for me? Isaiah emphatically responds and he says, send me, he says. I want to point out here that, that Isaiah is not a stranger to God and God is not a stranger to Isaiah. Isaiah had been a prophet for numerous kings And he had been called upon by kings to seek the face of the Lord for prophetic words over what to do nationally, what to do for wars or for economy and commerce and all this sort of stuff. So he is used to hearing the voice of God. But in this particular vision, whole new thing changes. His response sets him on a path. He hears God say, who will go for us? He responds, "Send send me. Isaiah's own voice, I want you to get this, God's voice activated creation, Isaiah's voice activated mission. Send me. Okay, here's the third example, a little bit of background. Mary, this young teenage girl, minding her own business, busy about her choice of the day, and then suddenly, Gabriel the archangel shows up. You know, I'm just, is, is there a, or does he just go, boom? <laughs> the scriptures say she was terrified, so I'm guessing he didn't have a, a trumpet heralding him. He just kind of rocked up. And he turns around and he says to her, oh, by the way, you're going to get pregnant and you're going to carry the Son of God. I love her response. Nevertheless, at your word, let it be unto your servant. That's so powerful. And that's not even the example I'm going to give you. At the same time, around the same time that um, Gabriel speaks to Mary, he also shows up to Zechariah. And so we're now in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read to you two passages of Scripture. Verses 13 to 15 is the first one. But the angel said, this is Zechariah, so he's in the Holy of Holies in the temple. He's doing his priestly duties. Doing, he's bringing the, the incense and the sacrificial blood and everything. And uh, So he's, he's, the, he's, the, he's the chosen one at that point because he's the priest on duty. And he's in there doing his whole thing. And he's in there for ages. The people are all standing outside waiting for him. They're going, man, he must be, something's going on in there because he's taking ages. This is what's going on. And the angel showed up. Gabriel is his name. And the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. 
God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you will name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. Get this. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Now, I want you to take note of that bit there. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Okay, let's jump ahead. Um, Isaiah, the, uh, sorry, Zechariah the priest, he's choosing to serve continually even though his deepest prayer has not yet been answered. He desperately, desperately wants a son, but he still hasn't had that answer. And now his wife is quite likely past childbearing years, and yet he continues to choose to serve. I'll just throw that one out there for free. <laughs> but then Gabriel shows up. He didn't actually believe Gabriel. And because he didn't believe the word of God, he was, it, was like, it was like Gabriel, well, Gabriel said, well, you're not going to be able to speak until your baby is born. And the, the scriptures say his tongue stuck to the roof of his mouth. So here we have two promises from God. Two women are going to get miraculously pregnant, Mary and Elizabeth. Mary is going to carry the son of God. Elizabeth is going to carry the herald of God. And the prophetic word from the angel Gabriel on behalf of God was, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. Mary hears about her relative Elizabeth who's pregnant. It's like, what? So she disappears quickly to go and hang out with Mary. She gets to, uh, sorry, Elizabeth. She gets to Elizabeth's house. She knocks on the door and walks in. Luke chapter 1 verse 41 says this, At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I shared just that scripture with the, the group that come at nine to worship and pray before church. And I just, this, the, at the sound, this is, this is the verse that I got the title of this message from, at the sound of Mary's greeting. And my, I've got a little bit of cheeky turkey in me. No. No. Um, and you know what? I just, I want to walk into a supermarket and just go, hey, everybody, watch the Holy Spirit move. Oh, that only excites me. Oh, boring. Televised All Blacks game. You stand in the stands and go, yes, Jesus! Everybody gets slain in the Spirit. Including the All Blacks. <laughs> the Springboks really rejoiced at that because they were playing them at the time. Oh, <laughs> come on, guys, just this is the sort of thing that the Holy Spirit wants to stir within you this morning. The possibility thinking of you and God in partnership. Can you even imagine it this morning? To walk into your aunties or your uncles or your brothers or your sisters or your mum and dad's place. And just walk in, knock on the door, walk in and go, hey, power of God moves. Instantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Addictions gone, broken lives restored, confused minds made whole by the power of God. Can you even imagine it this morning? I can. Word of God says it's possible. Maybe not in those words, but just at the sound of Mary's greeting. The baby leapt within her. And she was filled with the Holy Spirit. It says in the Bible, it can happen today. Well, I believe it. So at the sound of God's voice, 
creation is activated. At the sound of Isaiah's voice, mission is activated. At the sound of Mary's greeting, the promise is activated and the anointing is activated. Starting to get what God wants us to get this morning? There is power in your voice. But here's the thing about the Word of God. When we get to understand the power of the promise, the opposite is equally as effective and equally as powerful. What would have happened if Mary had gone in and gone, you can't be pregnant. That is absolutely impossible. I can't be pregnant. That just would not accept the promise of God. Zechariah would not accept the promise of God and he was struck dumb. He was mute, unable to speak. I wonder why. I wonder why God made Zechariah unable to speak. And this is my conclusion. You will not break the power of the promise by your words. What is the promise that God has spoken over you this morning? Are your own words breaking the power of that promise? What is the destiny that God has made you for? Are your own words or the words of those closest to you breaking and refusing and rebuking and and just making that destiny unobtainable? The Bible says if two agree concerning... Who are you agreeing with this morning? Is it the word of God or the word of the naysayer? I was about to apologize for getting fired up, but I'm not going to. (laughs) I need you to get this this morning, people. Your life and the lives of those who are nearest and dearest to you matter, and what you say matters. Let's continue with this account. Okay, so Gabriel brings the promise, the prophetic promise from God that Elizabeth is going to have a son and, the, and they will be filled with the Holy Spirit before the son's born. Same promise on Mary. You're going to carry the Son of God. She greets Elizabeth. Hey, boom, Holy Spirit moves. She's pregnant and everyone's going. How can this be? Everyone's pretty excited. Very excited in actual fact. So now we jump, we're still in Luke chapter 1, we're going to jump forward to verse 59. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. All your friends and neighbours. You know those classic baby photos that mum brings out when you bring your girlfriend home and there you are standing naked in the sink as a three-year-old? My mum actually did that. First time she met Suzanne, she said, oh, look at these photos of my cute little Tommy. And there I am in all my glory ah! as a three-year-old. Thanks, Mum. All the friends and neighbours came for John's circumcision ceremony. Okay, okay, that's what they did. Anyway, they wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. Hang on a minute. Wasn't her husband mute? He must have communicated to Elizabeth and explained to Elizabeth, his name will be John. So everyone's going, you must... And she goes, no, his name will be John. What? They exclaimed, there is no one in all your family by that name. 
So they made gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again. And he began praising God. Oh, come on, somebody, you need to hear that. When you get to speak again, you start with praising God this morning. When you've been busted out of jail or busted out of the thing that's held you back, you begin to praise God this morning. Oh, I want to preach. <laughs> Get this awe fell on the whole neighborhood and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he gave this prophecy. And the, the, the chapter goes on and it's a phenomenal prophetic word. Because Zechariah didn't believe the word of God, he was literally unable to speak until, now I want you to get this, he was not able to speak again until his word came into alignment with God's word and God's promise. <clears throat> What's needed here? Faith and confession. Faith and confession. And you know what? I... I think there's something absolutely, well, of course it's in the Bible, so of course it's absolutely correct. But where it says in the Bible, confess me before. You know, you can be a secret believer and you can have asked Jesus into your life and, and that's great and you've been transformed on the inside by the Holy Spirit power of God and you've been born again and made new. But there is something absolutely powerful about that public declaration and confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's why within the Elam Church and many churches around the world, not just Elam, but that's why we believe in water baptism because the water baptism is a public, it's a public symbology and a public confession of your faith in Jesus Christ and it sets your life on a whole new path. Your confession will activate mission. But here we have the sound of Elizabeth's voice his name is John. And then Zechariah writes it. He, his word comes into alignment with God's word. And the, those voices, the activated anointing, therefore activates prophecy. We're not done yet. We're, getting, we're gradually getting more and more. We've gone from, the, from God to the individual mission to a declaration that affects a family, now we're going to go and we're going to see what it looks like when it affects a whole village. In John chapter 4, verses 39 through 42, this is the Samaritan village of Sychar. In the story of the, where, where it says, and Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem, he stops at the well in the village of Sychar, or Sychar, have you said S-Y-C-H-A-R? It's in Samaria. Big well, Jacob's well, lots of water. And he starts to have this conversation with this woman. Tells her her life. She's like, gets transformed by the promise and the word of God. The conversation, the word of God changes her life. Let's jump in at verse 39. Many of the, so she, she, she zooms back into the village. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed him, in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and, they stayed, and, he, they, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many became believers. 
And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. We have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Now, if you dig into this story, you'll find that this woman goes to the well at the complete wrong time of the day. She goes to the well in the hottest part of the day, in the middle of the day, because she gets to go alone. Because all the women go to the well in the cooler by the morning or the evening. And so she gets to go alone. Why does she get to go alone? Because she is despised by that village. She's had multiple husbands and she's living with another man. Jesus points it out to her. And she recognizes that her mess is a bit of a train, her life is a bit of a train wreck. And yet the grace of God, the love of God, the word of Jesus heals her soul. And despite all of that shame that she's been carrying and living with, she runs back into the village and begins to tell everybody who before this would have nothing to do with her and she would go to the well on her own. Now here's a real mind bender, people, because they would see her coming and they would turn their back on her. But she comes in and she begins to speak. And there is something different about her voice. There is something different about her heart. There is something different about her face. What is it? She said under the word of Jesus. She received the truth of Jesus. She had received the healing and the restoration and the joy and the forgiveness and the salvation of Jesus. And that changed her. It changed her voice. It changed her confession. He told me everything I did, she said. And because of her voice, the whole village came out. Because of her voice, the whole village came out. And the whole village heard the sound of his promise and his truth. And not only her life was transformed and restored, but the scriptures say many lives in that village were transformed and restored. So God's voice activates creation. Isaiah's voice activates mission. Mary's voice activates the anointing and the promise. Elizabeth's voice and Zechariah's confirmation activates prophecy. This woman's voice activates hope. Activates hope. And guess what? The character, the nature, the work, and the word of God have not changed. They have not changed. He speaks to us. He sends us. He's given us his holy word and his Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us with what to say. He doesn't force us. He doesn't beg us. The supreme, all-powerful God of the universe invites us to partner with him, to be his voice here and now. What an invitation. So, what does the voice of God sound like in the workplace? What does the voice of God sound like at home? What does the voice of God sound like in the classroom? What does the voice of God sound like when you're on the boat fishing with your mates? I want to give you seven quick thoughts, real quick, of how the power of the voice of the Holy Spirit can speak through you. At the sound of your voice, here's the first one. Choose your words carefully. Ephesians chapter 4, the, the, if you actually want all of these scriptural references, you'll have to grab my notes off the resource table. 
because for the sake of time, I didn't put them all up on the screen. Choose your words carefully. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. Does your voice build others up? Here's the second one. Encourage one another. That's First Thessalonians 5. When you know your friends and family believe in you, it releases you to believe in yourself. Oh man, I tell you, dads, 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 dads. If there is anything you can, if you could be like the voice of God over your kids, believe in your kids. When one of my sons was really young, his desired vocation changed, went from fireman to policeman to milkman. You like kids do this. Oh, that looks like fun. This is back in the day when we used to get glass milk bottles delivered to the gate. You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? Man, I'm not that old. <laughs> and one night I was tucking him in and he said, Dad. I said, what's that son? He goes, I want to be a milkman. And I looked at him and I body slammed him and I bounced him on his bed. And I said, I will buy my milk from you. You will be the best milkman in the whole of Blenheim and beyond. I'll get my milk from you. And he was like, yeah, yeah. You might think that's over-the-top stupid dad stuff. Guess what? That's how God feels about you. The Bible says he sings songs over you. The Bible says he has plans for you. Shake it out, Tom. Shake it out. Choose your words carefully. Encourage one another. Here's a, here's a big one. Forgive one another. You know what? This is Intentional. On purpose. We don't keep accounts. We don't keep lists. We don't say, you did this, you did this, you did this. And it gets worse when you go, that was six months ago. Let it go. No, we don't do that. We intentionally work through hurt and we forgive one another through to wholeness. Because guess what? That's what God did for us. Who do you think you're more powerful and more important than God not to forgive someone? Work it through. Number four, pray for each other. This is James chapter five. When we pray for each other and pray with each other, the powerful anointing of the Holy Spirit is released to work on our behalf. Angels are assigned to carry messages and carry answers. Doubt and fear are challenged and life and hope and purpose come in their place. Now, the, the, the answer of the prayer may not come quickly, but we can read in the book of Daniel that the answer is sent Gabriel, 30 days he had to fight and he had to get Michael to come and give him a hand, the other archangel. But the answer's coming. Will you pray for each other? Will you pray with each other? Will you teach mums and dads? Will you teach your kids how to pray? Number five, spur one another on towards love and good works. Hebrews chapter 10. You know what? It's amazing how much further you can go and how much more you can do when the person standing beside you is your greatest fan. You can do this. You, we, I believe in you. I, I coached athletics um, in summer and, and football in winter for both my sons, oldest son athletics, youngest son football. And these kids that get out there and like, oh, you do like, yes, you can. You got this. Come on. And they would run that little bit harder and they would run that little bit longer. And when someone believes in you, when someone spurs you on, something inside of you rises up. You can do this. 
You could do this. This stuff I'm teaching this morning, you could do this. I believe in you guys this morning. You are atmospheric change agents for the kingdom of God. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Have you ever seen the last hundred meters in a triathlon or a marathon? Where's Julian? He's not here this morning. 55 Ks he ran the other day. It was an ultra marathon. I still haven't figured out why. But anyway... I tell you what, if I was within 100 meters of the finish line and I was like, Julian, 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 you know what? He would have probably increased his pace. What do you reckon, Kieran? You reckon Dad would have done that? Yeah, I reckon he would have. You see that? I mean, just you, you get that crowd close to the finish line. Come on, come on. It's like, <laughs> chariots of fire all over again. Here's number six. Carry each other's burdens. A fantastic question. Here's a fantastic question. How can I help? How can I help? The voice of support is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Number seven, give preference to one another. Romans chapter 12. You know what? When we give preference to one another, it does not mean that we speak or think less of ourselves. It means that we think or speak of ourselves less because we're giving preference to one another. We're using our words for one another. Matthew chapter 5, 15 verse 18 says this, The words we speak come from our heart. Now here's a very, very powerful thing I want you to think about this morning. Again, on top of everything I want you to think about this morning. <laughs> the same thing that prevents someone from knowing the life, hope, and purpose of Jesus is the same thing that prevents us from sharing Jesus. Silence. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Sound of silence. It's the same thing. So, we need to break that silence. Let's wrap this up. Worship team, would you come? Please. How do we do this? How do we, how do we make our voice at the, sound, at the sound of Mary's greeting? The baby leapt within Elizabeth and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. At the sound of Elizabeth's voice, the promise of God, the declaration that his name will be John, and then the confirmation from Zechariah at release prophecy. At the sound of God's voice, creation was activated. At the sound of Isaiah's voice, mission was activated. At the sound of that broken yet restored woman in Samaria, at the sound of her voice, hope was activated. Here's your mission should you wish to accept it. And this one will not self-destruct. <laughs> we need to pray and ask God for the opportunities that at the sound of our voice, the gospel, you know, the, gospel, the word gospel means good news. That the gospel, the good news of God can be shared to those whom God is drawing to him. And then, and then just, just have a conversation. Just have a conversation with that person. Ask questions. Listen to their story. And then in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, as it says on the screen, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. 
and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Don't be a weird Christian. Just be a real Christian. Don't be a fire-breathing, Bible-thumping, pew-skipping weirdo. Be someone who just loves with grace, who uses wholesome words, who encourages, who forgives, who offers to pray, who spurs on and says, I believe in you. Someone who says, how can I help and carry the burdens? Someone who says, actually, you know what? Right here, right now, you are way more important than me. Your time is more important than my time. You're worth it. Because guess what? It's exactly what Jesus did.